Take RFM Dunedin with you wherever you go with podcasts and live streaming of Primo local content. Download the Access Internet Radio app for free from Google Play and the Apple App Store. This programme was first broadcast on RFM Dunedin and made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Do you say and do things when drinking that you regret the next day? Is alcohol a problem for you or someone you really care about? Over the next hour, we'll find out how people just like you and me found sobriety in AA through sharing their experience, strength and hope. Welcome to AA Live, brought to you by Alcoholics Anonymous. Yeah, good evening, uh, folks. This is Victor E for um, AA Live. This is on uh, 105.4 FM in uh, Dunedin here, Otago Access Radio. This is the um, AA Live um, show uh, podcast that we were, um, and it's the um, uh, the eighth of October, and we're um, just uh, we have an, um, a guest to. Um, to interview today to talk about his experience, strength and hope. And um, before we do that, though, I just wanted to sh- um, start in the, in the usual manner. We've got a bit of a for- uh, you know, the format, um, a sort of a group um, meeting uh, format. So in most meetings that you come to of Alcoholics Anonymous, you'll hear the serenity prayer being said. So what we're going to do is um, just uh, say the serenity prayer together to give us the, um, bring us into the centre. Centredness, mm. uh, is that correct? It is, Victor. Yeah. Um, would you like to introduce yourself for us, uh, for the um, listeners out there? Yeah, well, thank you, Victor. My name is Mike H, and I'm an alcoholic. Uh, thanks, Mike. And, um, yeah, so we'll do that uh, serenity prayer for you, and, um, you know, we'll go ahead for mm. it. So, God. God, grant, grant me, me the serenity to accept, accept the things I cannot change, change courage, courage to change, change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. And uh, also at, at uh, all the meetings you, that you, if you choose to come along, uh, if you're, um, like the uh, preamble already said, uh, you know, when we introduced it, it was about um, if you think that alcohol is a problem, um, perhaps we can help. And um, we have a preamble of our own that we say at most meetings, so I'll try and get this uh, right. Well, I was just scrambling to look for one, but hey, we'll just see how we go. So uh, my name is uh, Victor, and I'm an alcoholic, and you always have to qualify it for some reason. And um, the uh, preamble of Alcoholics Anonymous goes something like this. Alcoholics Anonymous is a fellowship of men and women who share their experience, strength and hope with each other that they may solve their common problem and help others to recover from alcoholism. The only requirement for membership is a desire to stop drinking. There are no dues or fees for AA membership. We're self-supporting through our own contributions. Uh, we, um, we endorse no other cause or... We, we endorse no other... We, we endorse no other support no other causes or endorse no other um, and our opinions are our own yeah so we don't much. get caught up in controversy and all mm. this. we're just having a wee looking at each other here saying oh we read it out at every meeting but um, and um, but our primary purpose is to stay sober and to help other alcoholics uh, achieve sobriety and that's the most important line in, in, in the whole thing too so we're going to attempt to do that um, in the next hour and um, we just welcome you here um, on, on our little show and um, uh, I suppose 
Um, rather than just leaping straight into your story, uh, Mike, is there any comments you'd like to just make about your experience without, you know, um, initially anyway, any bottom lines for you um, that you'd like to share just to get us going? I'm going to play a wee bit of music as well just to um, uh, after this so we can head into it and then and get into your story. Mm. So anything you'd like to just open with yourself? Well, I would just like to say that the most fundamental feature of my life is that I have to embrace my sobriety on a daily basis and that's the most important thing for me. Without it I wouldn't have my health, peace of mind, reputation, I wouldn't have a wife, I wouldn't be able to work. My sobriety on a daily basis contingent upon my following the program of AA is a matter of profound importance to me and I'd just like to say that it's a great privilege to be here today and uh, I'm a servant of AA today at this moment, and it's I'm very, very grateful to you, Victor, for having given me this opportunity to come along and share my experience, strength, and hope. Oh, like we say in in the in the fellowship, and so it's it's always a two way street, and I'm I'm grateful to have you here, uh, sharing your experience, strength, and hope as well. So, hey, look, I'm just going to go into a wee bit of music till we um, pull ourselves together here and um, and uh, listen to Mike's story. So, um, I've got a little song here by Van Morrison, so I'll just see if I can get that going for you. Something more simple than we held in my clean Cause I told it like it was Wrote about disappointment and grief Wrote about what we really didn't need In our lives Make us feel alive and whole Illusions and pipe dreams on the one hand And straight reality it's always cold Saying something hard is is off the wall And it might seem too bold My feet when it got out of hand Nobody tried to understand Now we've got to keep it simple And that's that Simple to save ourselves. Fuck me when I try to get back. 
said the train was completely off the track And we got to get back Something simple to save ourselves Oh, well, we got to get back Something simple just to save yourself Well, I got to get back to something simple just to save yourself Well, you got to keep it simple Keep it simple just to And that's that Well, you to keep it simple nowadays And that's just that Whoa, whoa, whoa yeah. Got to keep it simple nowadays And that's just the way it is And you got to keep it simple These days Cause that's the way it is Well, you gotta keep it Keep it simple And that's that Hello folks, we're back at uh, Otago Access Radio, this is AA Live and um, we're just um, sitting here um, waiting for uh, Mike to introduce our, his story to tell us a little bit about his experience, strength and hope but um, before we do that, I'll just ask Mike if you'd like to read our daily re- uh, reading just keeping in the format, it just gives us a wee bit of, uh, you know uh, a lot of us do this before we get out of bed really um, and get out uh, to get away from our head so um, yeah, would you like to do that for us Mike and then share with us Yeah, with pleasure Victor Daily Inventory, October 8th, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it, from Alcoholics Anonymous, the big book of AA, page 59. And it continues, I was beginning to approach my new life of sobriety with unaccustomed enthusiasm. New friends were cropping up and some of my battered friendships had begun to be repaired. Life was exciting and I was even managing to enjoy my work. I had a profound spiritual experience during an open AA meeting, which led me to blurt out, I am an alcoholic. I have not had a drink since that day. I can't tell you the words I heard just prior to my admission and how these words affected me, but as to why it happened, I do not know. I believe a power greater than myself chose me to recover, yet I do not know why. I try not to worry or wonder about this or what I, or what I do not yet know. Instead, I trust that if I continue to work the steps, practice the AA principles in my life, and share my story, I will be guided lovingly towards a deep and mature spirituality in which more will be revealed to me. For the time being, it is a... And I'm sorry, I've just lost the place again because I'm not familiar with um, e-books, right? Yes, but uh, I'm looking for a spiritual, spiritual experience and an ongoing spiritual voyage in my life and sobriety. Thank you, Victor. And um, you know, where does it all where did it all start for you then, uh, Mike? Oh well, um, it all all started um, back in Wellington, back in the late seventies, when I began drinking. I suppose because I just need to say quickly, without judging people, that I come from a long line of alcoholics. My parents are both alkies. Grandparents were alcoholics. And so it's called a family disease and one which can be inherited through genetics or temperament or environment, I know not. But I do know that when I was a youngster, I was determined not to become an alcoholic. I saw my parents' behaviour, I saw them in their misery, and I thought, drinking will not be for me, and because I've seen alcoholism in action, I will see it coming, 
I will know what to watch for, I'll see the signs and symptoms, I, it will not get me. Anyhow, I used to drink occasionally, but I never much enjoyed booze. I didn't like the taste, it used to give me headaches, I used to succumb to drunkenness very quickly and fall asleep or vomit everywhere. Not a pretty sight or sound. And so I do recall, though, when I was in my teens, I was very lonely one day in my job. I'd just been dumped by a girlfriend, and some workmates said to me, why don't you come to the pub? And I didn't want to go with them, but I thought out of courtesy I'd come along and spend an hour or two with them, maybe drink a shandy or a lemonade, and then make a discreet but tactful exit. Anyhow, I went to the pub and I began drinking. It tasted awful, but after about an hour, I began to mellow out, and all of a sudden, a key, a switch, was turned in my mind. I, I fell through a trapdoor into another dimension, like Alice down the, the rabbit hole, just like that. I've just snapped my fingers. Kapow! I was transformed into something else, into a new dimension, like like an episode of Star Trek. And uh, we go into a portal and come out in another dimension or another time. And all of a sudden, I was transformed, transfixed. I had a what seemed to be an epiphany. I suddenly understood the, the workings of the universe. I, I was God. And I was so happy, and I cried with laughter, and I slapped everybody on the back, and I was everybody's best friend, and I was ricocheting off the furniture. Couldn't get enough booze into me. And that night, I left the pub a fully-fledged alcoholic. Now, I've had newcomers saying to me, Oh, gee, Mike, I didn't drink for 10, 20, 30 years. I didn't wind up on a park bench. How can I be an alcoholic? And I say to them, well, I can't tell you whether you're an alky or not, but I'll tell you my experience. I walked into a pub one night normal. Three or four hours later, I walked out a fully blown alcoholic. It can happen in an evening. Happened to me. can happen to you. It doesn't matter if you drank for a week or a month. And um, later on in my sharing, I might, I might go into this a little more. But that's what happened to me, Victor. I just discovered alcohol, and from that moment on, Nothing mattered. I had to be within cooey of a pub or a source of booze. And in all the years I drank, I never once tried to restrain myself or stop because it seemed the most natural thing to do on earth. Birds fly, fish swim, Mike drinks. It was just me, and I never felt me unless I was drinking. Yeah, yeah, thanks for that, Mike. That's a good. Uh, that's where it all started for you, and um, it sounds like it was an instant sort of um, spiritual awakening, almost. Well, the funny thing was, I had said to myself that I'll never become an alcoholic because I'll see alcoholism coming, like the pale rider coming over the desert, like Clint Eastwood with his poncho and his slouch hat and his six shooters, and I'll gut him down long before he gets to me. But alcohol is cunning, baffling and powerful as we saw in the program and what it did was creep up behind me with a blanket and went, gotcha, and then it kidnapped me and it had me, just like that. It, it, it's, it's, it's a clever, brutal, disarming disease and it will get you if it's determined to do so. So I kept drinking for, 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 for years after that and the problem was that New Zealand had a culture of drinking in those days and I remember we used to drink in our... Um, 
drinking our lunch breaks in the public service and I remember looking out the window one day and some of my workmates were coming back from the Clyde Key pub and one of them was an almost uh, a tiny woman, almost a dwarf and she'd had a couple of wines and passed out in the pub and she was being carried back in the arms of um, one of my workmates, one of the men and two of the women put her in the sick bay to sleep it off for the afternoon but can you imagine a society in the 70s in New Zealand where a workmate has been, an unconscious drunk workmate has been carried back from the pub in broad daylight and being put to put to um, put into a sick room for the afternoon you'd be sacked these days, there'd be an inquiry in those days, hey you know, she'll sleep it off, she'll be cool she'll come back to work the next day and that was the sort of antics we got up to and one night I was very frustrated with my job in the public service and I was grizzling about my um, about how hard life had been to me and never gave me a good job. And one of my workmates said, well, why don't you do something about it? And what he meant was go and find another job, a better one. And I thought, by crikey, I will do something about this, about my job. And I was drunk, remember, and I, I went back that night and on a Friday night, I might add, and I broke every window of the office block in which I worked and I caused thousands upon thousands of dollars worth of damage. And then I went back to work on the Monday as if nothing had happened. I kept quiet about it, of course, and I've never been convicted. But um, petty acts of vandalism and the, the Jekyll and Hyde uh, personality changes. I mean, my father was a Quaker pacifist, so was mum. Dad was a librarian. Um, I look like the former librarian that I used to be, very gentle guy. But when I had a few drinks in me, I used to have these attacks of rage. And if people provoked me, I would sometimes attack them. And I remember I gave a guy the hiding of his life, um, gave him a good, uh, in technical terms, it's called a stomping. Um, I tried to kick him to death. I, I was out to kill him. I was just beside myself with rage. And, and um, he was in a dreadful way um, after I'd been stamped all over him. I remember being pulled off him by people who were screaming that I was going to kill him. And I... I remember saying, what's the problem? I am trying to, you know, let me let me at him. But uh, I was very lucky because that's how young men wind up in court on Monday morning in front of the beak and they say, oh, sorry, Your Honour, I didn't mean to kill him. He was my mate, but we just had a bit of a barney and it got out of hand. But uh, I was always doing things like that and I was very unpopular around town and after a few, after five or six years, people weren't drinking with me. They'd had enough. Yeah, that um, sounds mm. like a, I can all re- relate to some of those mm. things, sadly. And um, yeah, it was um, it was an ongoing sort of process of um, uh, violence in my life too, and, and those sort of things. And you know, it's not how you um, sort of make a lot of friends and influence people, and it got a very lonely place for me after that as well. Mm. So um, you know, uh, I suppose moving on from our mm. experiences and stuff like that too, then. What happened to bring you to Alcoholics Anonymous and what was the thing that made the difference for you to make a decision to come? Well, thank you for asking. Yes, I can, I can tell you what happened, Victor. Um, the booze was getting out of hand and it was becoming an ordeal to drink and it was interfering with all aspects of my life and I do mean every single aspect of my existence and I was choosing booze over relationships I was because people didn't want to know me when I was drinking and people were saying to me why don't you 
People were saying, why don't you knock off the booze? Your woman would find you much more attractive if you did that. And I used to say, well, if they don't like me as I am, then they can... I'll go without, thank you very much. But in fact, I was very lonely and I craved emotional and sexual closeness and as, as all humans do. And I, I, I wanted uh, intimacy, but I wasn't finding it. But my life was saved by a junker of a TV that cost me $10 because I, I used to be a real bohemian. I lived in Arrow Street in Wellington and I was walking up Arrow Street one day and I met a mate who was a poet and he's quite a well-known one now and he was lugging a TV an old black and white junker down R.O. Street to a junk shop to try and sell so that he could, uh, as you put it, um, uh, date this woman. He wanted to take her to dinner and buy her a few drinks. And I said, oh, I need a TV. Um, I haven't got one. Um, what do you want for it? And he said, $20. And I said, does it work? And he said, well, see, in those days, in the in the early 80s, I think there were only two channels, maybe three, but you could only get uh, Channel 2, not Channel 1. And I said, well, I'm not going to give you... $20 for a TV that can't get two channels I'll give you $10 he said okay and I said you have to lug it home for me he said alright but I want a drink and I said yeah yeah so we go back to RO Street to my flat and we plug in the TV and sure enough it can only get channel 2 and that, the fact that it could only get channel 2 saved my life because a few months later I was watching the telly channel 2 and I was drinking of course I was drinking American rye from a giant flagon which I'd bought instead of paying the rent and I was sozzled, and a documentary appeared, and a young doctor was talking, and I just, I just used to watch anything, so I just watched it, because I talked past the time until the news or some other program. And he was saying that he gets asked by people, do I have a problem with alcohol? And he said, well, I can't tell if people are alcoholic or not. You need to answer that for yourselves. But he said, I say to people, if you have a spat with your spouse or a row with the boss or you ding the family car while, you, while you're under the influence of alcohol and you say to yourself, goodness, I mustn't do that again, and you do, then there is an issue. And my blood ran cold and I thought, well, if that's all it takes to have an issue, I'm in deep, deep, deep trouble. But it was going to get worse for me because in the next segment of the documentary, they were talking to a woman who was in an asylum she was in Poor, what was then Poirou, a mental hospital, and she had what they call a wet brain or a Korsakoff syndrome, Victor. It's that situation yeah, where you yeah, massive mm. brain damage through alcohol. And she was saying that she wanted to um, – uh, she said that when she drank, she was looking for oblivion, but when she found that it was nothing like she thought it would be because she was hoping she'd got ma- massive brain damage through excessive drinking and she'd hoped that she would just die but um, in an alcoholic stupor or alcoholic poisoning but in fact all she did was lose her short term memory which meant that she couldn't form new memories so she'd go to cook dinner and she'd leave something on the stove and walk away and do some gardening, forget about it and uh, she'd almost burnt the house down twice and she couldn't remember the you know, she'd go shopping and she could not remember why she'd gone downtown. Was it to shop? Was it to have a hair done? Was she meeting friends? And then she'd put notes in her pocket to remind her why she was downtown, but then she'd forget to look in her pocket. And what was that last last week's note, she'd think, or was it next week's? So she said, here I am in, 20, in, in seven day. She didn't use the expression 24-7, but we would now. She said, here I am seven days a week, seven nights a week, 24 hours a day in care, she said, I found oblivion and it's not what I thought it would be. And that's really the moment that my drinking was destroyed. 
Because, you see, Victor, I understood at that moment that if I continued drinking, I would wind up in the asylum. Now, I had been looking for oblivion. I wanted to be... I used to, I used to dream about going to sleep and never waking up again through booze. I used to, I used to wake up and find that a cigarette had set fire to my pillow. I used to... I've been involved in car pranks. Um, I was tempting fate. I wanted to die because life was just too tough and I didn't have what it took to engage with life on life's terms. And I don't know if it's a form of moral cowardness or massive immaturity or whether there's something missing from me, but I just couldn't seem to... um, I I suddenly realised that the booze was going to kill me, but I didn't know how to live without it. So I tried to taper off the boozing and for about two months, I think, and I com- went completely mad. It was like running an engine without oil. I could not function. I didn't know what to do, what to think, how to talk, how to behave. My, my behaviour grew more and more uh, unreliable and unreasonable. And one night I was at work and my boss came to me at the end of the shift and said, we don't want you back tomorrow. We, we, we've had it. <clears throat> and um, so you're through. So what I did was I went on what we call a geographical because there was nowhere else to go. I dropped out of university and I had a tent and a sleeping bag and I put them on my old 10-speed. And um, I remember I set off on this insane bike trip and I left RA, RA Street, cycled down the RA Valley, down Willis, down Lampton Quay, out into the Wire Wrapper, uh, Upper Hut Wire Wrapper, across the Lower Hawks Bay, round to Napier, around the coast of Gizzi, Tolaga Bay, Tokamaru, um, all these bays, East Cape, loved that. And I was camping by the roadside and just smoking and eating when I, and where I could and just cycling along day after day and I got to Hicks Bay and I cycled around to Whakatane and ultimately this trip took me up to Auckland and then I... Um, Returned. I, I came down the main uh, the main uh, highway number one, the main trunk line down back to Wellington. It was an epic trip in its own way, but I was just trying to get away from me. I didn't know what to do. It was a breakdown. And one night I was in the middle of nowhere, and I saw a sign that said "No trespassing, keep off." But I needed to cross some land to get to the river to fill my billy where my tent was, uh, where I'd pitched a tent. So I went up to the farmhouse, because it's always good to be courteous, and I said to the farmer, may I cross your land and get myself some water? He said, oh, yeah, 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 no, no, go for your life. In fact, he said, I'll, I'll, fill, you, I'll fill you, Billy, here at the sink. And he did. And then he said, oh, by the way, do you want a drink? And just like that, I said, yep. And I don't even remember him pouring it and me grabbing it, but before long I was drunk in this farmhouse in the middle of nowhere. And I remember stumbling back to my tent thinking, oh, no, now God's going to send me to the asylum because I had one drink too many. I pushed it too far. But I woke up. I had the best night's sleep I'd had in months because I was anaesthetized again. And I wake up the next morning, uh, Victor, with a slight headache and with the sure and certain knowledge that I was an alcoholic and would always drink unless I had help. And so when I reached out, AA was there. And I mean, when 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 you're dying and someone throws you a lifeline, you don't argue about do you like whoever's on the other end? Are they your sort? Would I be comfortable with them? You just think, haul away, boys! I'm coming aboard. 
Excellent. Yeah, no, so it was just that seed of that was planted in that uh, Channel 1 uh, that you see, and from there on in it just sort of bloomed and um, came to a point where you tested it, and sure enough, uh, that it was it manifested into the alcoholism that what it was mm. and then yeah so we'll, we'll just have another musical break and yeah, then um, right. we'll get into what happened after yep. you left that farmer and uh, carried on your trip good yeah. man okay, okay then cool
So that was Ready to Run by the Dixie Chicks. And um, I hope you're not ready to run because um, we've still got a bit of sharing to do here. And um, I um, I just happen to, <laughs> you know, it's it's a wee bit of the perfectionist coming out on hear me, but I just um, I just dug up the old AA preamble because this is um, you're listening to AA live and it's on 105.4. FM in Otago Access Radio in Dunedin here and um, I was just wanting to we're talking with Mike H here he's telling us his story of about what it was like, what happened and, and what it's like in the solution he's, he's about to, he's just made a, a, a fairly um, a, a, a conclusion about his drinking and, his, um, and I'll let him carry on with that but I just had a couple of wee things there. Um, I just wanted to uh, like on our um, website um, aaotago.org.nz you'll find uh, if you're local or if you're coming to Dunedin you'll find um, the uh, meetings that are in, Dun- in Dunedin so that's um, aaotago dot uh, org dot nz and if you wanted to go to the main um, and this is on our so- on the uh, Otago Access Radio um, <coughs> website as well but if you wanted to go to the main uh, Alcoholics Anonymous um, website you can go to www.aa.org.nz and if you wanted to call them uh, and if you wanted to get to talk with somebody in, in Dunedin here you can ring 0800 AA Works that's 0800 229 6757 and that'll get you to the menu and then that'll take you to uh, uh, through the menu to the area that you want to um, uh, find out where a meeting is and you'll be able to talk to someone uh, through that process as well and um, so I'm, I'm just going to kind of kick off us off again with the AA preamble because, you know, that's the way I get. Um, Alcoholics Anonymous is a fellowship of men and women who share their experience, strength and hope with each other that they may solve their common problem and help others to recover from alcoholism. The only requirement for membership is a desire to stop drinking. There are no dues or fees for AA membership. We're self-supporting through our own contributions. AA is not allied with any sect, denomination, politics, organisation or institution, does not wish to engage in any controversy, neither endorses nor opposes any causes. Our primary purpose is to stay sober and to help other alcoholics to achieve sobriety. And just before, um, I'm doing a wee bit of a spiel, but just before I um, I, uh, take us back to Mike, um, and his story I, um, there's one of our uh, literatures called the 12 Steps and 12 Traditions and it just gives a wee summary here of what the um, program of Alcoholics Anonymous has suggested in our basic text and it's, um, it says a little thing like this AA's 12 Steps are a group of principles spiritual in nature which if practiced as a way of life can expel the obsession to drink and enable the sufferer to become happily and usefully whole. So I just wanted to use that as a wee bit of our opening to um, Mike's continuing with his story here about oh what happened after you did your little hikoi around the North Island. Okay, oh thank you, Victor. Well, my name is Mike, and I'm still an alcoholic, and I'm still here, and I'm still telling my story, and I hope that I will continue to do so for a long time to come. Uh, after I got back to Wellington, I basically had to go back to square one and start my life over again as though I had been reborn. I had to chuck everything overboard, which I thought had been important, and I had to be uh, become teachable because I had made a series of errors in my life and I had to understand that my own self-propelled life, my own 
sense of what I required wasn't going to work anymore and so I began to pray because in AA we ask the care and guidance of a higher power however you may understand him now of course I understood, I took upon I took this um, step with some trepidation because I didn't want to become a god botherer and I didn't want to lose my own identity and become like the hole in the donut that's the American donut which is made in a kind of a circle isn't it and I didn't want to spend the rest of my life on my knees in church thanking him I wanted to be the same and yet be different and so it took me some time to understand what was required but I think that the essence of recovery lies in understanding that one is no longer the centre of the universe, one is simply an individual among many and that there is a higher power around whom we revolve. And this, the genius of AA is that you can define this higher power for yourself. Now, what is a spiritual experience? Well, it's simply a seismic shift in one's thinking that is so intense and so great that it can expel an obsession say, to drink, for for example. And so I began to pray. And I didn't do it very well, and I wasn't very successful, but at least I kept trying because all beginners are very clumsy at these activities. And I do remember the night that I had a spiritual awakening, which I'll talk about now. I was very depressed. I came home from a meeting, and I got to my knees, and I said, look, God, I'm not drinking. I'm going to meetings, but nothing much seems to be happening what is it that I'm doing wrong that's stopping me from being happy? What must I do? I said, God, I'm sufficiently desperate. If you talk to me now, if you answer me, I will listen. And believe it or not, I heard a voice in my head saying, if you want to be happy, you need to accept yourself as you are and stop letting other people judge you. And I thought, what a remarkable insight that is. And with that self-acceptance and that self-love, if you like, came a sense of release, a sense of happiness, a sense of having been unburdened. And I was really happy. And this, 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 the sense of happiness lasted for a long time, lasted for weeks. It's called a pink cloud, and it's a perfectly natural and appropriate emotion, but um, one does, of course, crash, comes back to earth. Um, C.S. Lewis um, describes this process of conversion uh, in, his, in one of his books, I think, Surprised by Joy. And uh, you need to understand that you do come back to earth. Um, there is a thing called a pink cloud, but there are no pink airports. Um, taking off is optional, but landing is compulsory. Mercifully, the program of AA was there to catch me. But what I have to understand was that I cannot go around judging myself anymore and comparing myself to other people. I have to accept the fact that I've got male pattern baldness, that I'm only five foot seven, that I'm not Charles Atlas, I don't look like Schwarzenegger, I'm not built like a B-52. I don't have the mind of an Einstein, but I have my own talents, modest as they may be, and so does everyone else. And what I had to learn in the program was a thing called tolerance. I have to tolerate and understand and have sympathy for other people. I must not judge them. And of course, being a good old-fashioned alky, of course I do, but at least I try and keep it under wraps these days and I keep it in proportion. But basically, it's a surrender of self, it's a willingness to pray every morning and ask what the will of a how power might be. And my life 
in, 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 in doing this has been absolutely transformed over the last uh, 30 odd years of sobriety, 36 I think, one day at a time. And uh, I must say at this stage it is a day at a time and we do have a saying in AA which says that the person with the longest sobriety is the one that got up earliest in the morning and I do believe that's true. Um, I was reading War and Peace by Tolstoy the other day and uh, there's an old peasant talking to one of the main characters who's a bit of an aristocrat and um, this aristocrat said to the peasant, how, do you, how are you happy? And the old peasant said, well, every night I go to bed and I say to God, let me be like a stone and just sink into sleep like a stone in, 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 into the bottom of, the, of a river. And in the morning, let me awaken and, and rise like newly baked bread. And that's true. Every day is a completely new day. I mean, Gandhi used to say it well. He said that each night when I go to bed, I die. And in the morning, I am reborn. And that's a great way to live because it means that the cares, the resentments, the fears of yesterday can be put behind one and every day is a fresh beginning. And I want to, be, I want to behave like that. I want to, what I want to see in myself are three qualities, faith, hope and charity. I want to be, I want to be bigger than me. I want, I, 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 I don't care if I'm not a Casanova or, 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 or what have you, but I want people to look at me and think, Mike has a certain generosity about him, he, a fundamental decency. That might sound a bit naive, a bit naff, but, but what more is important than that? My reputation is all I have, and, and I want to be known as a, as, a, as, a, as a stand-up kind of guy, you know, as they say in The Sopranos, <laughs> which I watch avidly. <laughs> um, <clears throat> enough said. But uh, sobriety is a wonderful thing, and um, it's by following the 12 steps of AA, uh, which uh, should we read them out? Um, yeah, in a minute we shall. Okay, um, it's following the twelve steps. You know, they're, 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 they're the blue, blueprint for success. I think. Okay, oh, look, I've got the just happen to have the basic text of Alcoholics Anonymous. We call it lovingly the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous, and it, I'll just um, read uh, the portion around out of how it works. The chapter how it works. And um, it goes like, oh yeah, I'll just read that and some and read our steps out. Mm. So, really, have we seen a person fail who has thoroughly followed our path? Those who do not recover are people who cannot or will not completely give themselves to the simple program. Usually, men and women who are constitutionally incapable of being honest with themselves. There are such unfortunates. They're not at fault. They seem to have been born that way. They are naturally incapable of grasping and developing a manner of living which demands rigorous honesty. Their chances are less than average. There are those two who suffer from grave emotional and mental disorders, but many of them do recover if they have the capacity to be honest. Our stories disclose in a general way what we used to be like, what happened and what we like now. If you have decided you want what we have and are willing to go to any length to get it, then you are ready to, t- to take certain steps. At some of these we balked. We thought we could find an easier, softer way, but we could not. With all the earnestness at our command, we beg of you to be fearless and thorough from the very start. Some of us have tried to hold on to our old ideas, and the result was nil until we let go absolutely. Remember that we deal with alcohol, cunning, baffling, powerful. Without help it is too much for us, but there is one who has all power, that one is God. May you find him now. Half measures availed us nothing. We stood at the turning point. We asked his protection and care with complete abandon. Here are the steps we took which are suggested as a program of recovery. So step one is we admitted we were powerless over alcohol, that our lives had become unmanageable. Step two, 
came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for the knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And step twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to alcoholics and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Many of us exclaimed, what an order, I can't go through with it. Do not be discouraged. No one among us has been able to maintain anything like perfect adherence to these principles. We're not saints. The point is that we are willing to grow along spiritual lines. The principles we have set out, set down are guides to progress. We claim spiritual progress rather than spiritual perfection. Our description of the alcoholic, the chapter 2, the agnostic, and our personal adventures before and after make clear three pertinent ideas. This is the ABC of uh, um, the program. A, that we were alcoholic and could not manage our own lives. B, that probably no human power could have relieved our alcoholism. And C, that God could and would if he were sought. Well spoken. Couldn't have put it better myself. (laughs) Great. And I'd just uh, add to that, um, I've still got the 12 steps and 12 seditions, Mm. and it's, it's... I've never read this before, so I think I'll just share that, and and I'll wait for the um, comments to come back in. And if you do want to um, contact us, you can contact us through aaotago.org.nz, um, and if you had any requests or anything like that, um, please, uh, if you get online, uh, or you can write to PO Box 6115, uh, Dunedin North, uh, and drop a letter in there, or, um, yeah, just get on... Give give us a ring on 0800 AA Works and um, let us know what your what your needs are. But uh, following the other little reading I had there, it um, I'll just fo- follow along. AA's twelve step uh, twelve traditions, which is the uh, another part of the um, uh, program that helps unity f- within the um, program. So we have twelve steps and twelve traditions, and um, uh, apply to the life of the fellowship itself. They outline the means by which AA maintains its unity and relates itself to the world about it, the way it lives and grows. Though the essays which follow were written mainly by four members, it is thought by many AA friends that these pieces might arouse interest and find application outside of AA itself. Many people, non-alcoholics, report that as a result of the practice of AA's 12 steps, they have been able to uh, meet other difficulties of life. They think the 12 steps can mean more than sobriety for problem drinkers. They see in them a way to happy and effective living for many many alcoholic or not. So, you know, if you're just wondering, oh, I wonder what um, uh, what they're trying to say here, or, 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 if, you're, or if you've been sobri- in sobriety for a long time, um, yeah, 
just having a look at the, um, some of the literature because I, I had never found that before yeah. and it was interesting. It's just making a, a plea for uh, non-alcoholics to use the program of recovery as well. So I think that's probably got a, quite a bit of um, uh, would would be very valuable to anyone in mm. particular. Yeah. Oh, I agree. Cool. Hey, um, sort of starting to wind down now. So, is there any fine final comments you'd like to say about um, your life in sobriety? What it's like now? Well, uh, uh, Victor, I would have to say, without a word of exaggeration, that I have a life beyond my wildest dreams. I have a life now that I could not have visualised or imagined. And I think one of the reasons that sobriety grows upon us so slowly is because if I had gone from where I was when I gave up drinking to now, overnight, then I wouldn't have been able to handle it. I would have been like some <clears throat> starving calf toy put, you know, put in the Ritz Hilton and given endless room service and um, 55 colour channels on the TV. I would have just gone mad, got fat, got obese, got diabetes, not exercised. Um, sobriety is something which I had to earn. I mean, it's both a gift and something you have to earn. I mean, sobriety is a gift, but I have to work at it to keep it. Otherwise, I'll lose condition and slump into old habits because, after all, I am an alcoholic to my DNA and to my bones. And so what I need to say is that sobriety is for big people. It's for adults. It's for grown-ups. Um it's for people who want to be growing up and who want to contribute to society and be, be bigger and better than, than what they could be on their own. Yeah, I'd say that's about all I need to say. Thanks. Yeah, that's true. It's a, it's it's but it, what a um, what a blessing it is. I, I was uh, just listening to someone sharing the other day, and they said, "Oh, you know, like I'm just struggling with my purpose." And 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 in those traditions I was talking about, it talks about our primary purpose is to help other alcoholics who still suffer, and and that's a pretty grown up mm. sort of a <laughs> yeah a, 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 an attempt and a yeah. task, you know. And uh, I used to. Um, you know, when I was drinking, I wasn't very realistic, and I used to wonder, should I be a brain surgeon or an astrophysicist or a rocket yeah. scientist, or do I need to be an astronaut? And now I just want to be happy. <laughs> yeah, nothing grandiose about no. that anyway. No, in the I just first want to be happy. <laughs> that's not a bad goal, yeah. and um, yeah. certainly from yeah. the lives that many of us have come from, yeah. that's that's. Yeah. Extraordinary as opposed to ordinary for a lot of us. Uh, yeah, but and, and and funnily enough, I, I, I um, do we have a, do we have another minute? Um, yeah, sure, yep, great. Sure. Well, um, sometimes I feel like um, sobriety is a bit like Everest and Tenzin Norgay climbing Everest because I was listening to an interview with uh, Hillary and he was saying that. When he and Norgay were climbing Everest, every time they looked up, there was a, an ice wall ahead of them. And they'd climb that ice wall and they'd look up and there'd be another wall of ice above that and they'd reach the top of that and there'd be another one. And then one day, they, at, one, at one point, they climbed to the top of an ice wall and they looked up and there was nothing but blue sky. They'd got to the top. And that's what sobriety's been like for me. Looking up, oh, another step. Looking up, another obstacle. Oh, looking up, another job to do. Then one day, and, and I was always praying to God, Give me this, give me that. So I'd, I'd, I'd say, give me this, and I'd climb that wish, and then yeah, I'd say, give me that, and, and God would say, all right, and I'd climb that wish. Then one day I looked up and there was just blue sky, and I realised that I'd been given everything I've ever asked for. 
literally. I have nothing more to ask for. Isn't that remarkable? That is absolutely extraordinary you know, as, coming, as well. Coming, coming from a wee greedy guts like me, that's <laughs> something. Yeah. And um, what did we do? Just came to meetings. Exactly. And listened. Like yeah. You know. and, and we were given the, the, the directions mm. that we needed. So, yeah. Mm. Well, okay. that's it for me, my friend. That's all I can. Th- I'm, I'm all done. Hey, thanks very much for coming in and, and sharing your story. And oh, my pleasure. Yeah, fantastic, Mike. And um, I, by the way, um, listeners, I, I just wanted to sh- do a wee shout out to to Marty, who you hear introduces the the show for us, and um, he's now swanning around up in Auckland there, doing his mahi up there. And, and so, uh, you know, if you ever do um, run into Marty or, or for those of the fellowship, just give him a bit of a hug from the fellas down in Dunedin here. And um, yeah, just for all the mahi that he's uh, put into this show. I want to acknowledge him for all that, so holding the fort here and keeping things going and all the rest of it. And I failed to do that before he left, and so I'm doing that now. And um, yeah, we're just coming to the close of it. I might just sort of go out on uh, another bit of a Van Morrison song. It, it'll probably get cut halfway through. But um, hey, uh, you know, the number is 0800 AA Works, 0800 229 We'd love to see you. Soul is a feeling, feeling deep within Soul is not the color of your skin Soul is the essence, the essence from within It is wherever What you've been through What's true for you Where you're going to What you gonna do So is your station All the folk of your nation Something that you wear with pride So can be your vision Or something that is hidden It's not something that you gotta hide
Take RFM Dunedin with you wherever you go with podcasts and live streaming of Primo local content. Download the Access Internet Radio app for free from Google Play and the Apple App Store. This programme was first broadcast on RFM Dunedin and made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air.